The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 189 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I'm Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, the sad basketball capital of the world, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? Good. How many episodes did you say? 189. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, people can't probably tell because, um, you know, we've had to remove about 110 of those because you keep blurting out the N-word, but it's still an impressive total. It's a, it's a big number. By, by the way, Joe Rogan, not to like belabor that, he has like 3,000 episodes. Really? Like, Does he do daily? I don't, I don't listen to I him. have no idea. I don't listen to him either. But He must I, do daily, right? Otherwise, that would be like... I, I think he has 2,000 episodes. Like, I think... I, daily? That's so many episodes. Well, because, I, I mean, if it's weekly, what, what would it possibly be? Yeah, I mean, 52 weeks a year, he would have to do. Yeah. I mean, I, also, his episodes are like four hours long. Like, it's it's yeah. not an easy... I don't know, man. He... Uh, that guy has episodes for days. Nobody even misses the 70 that we're taking down for racial reasons, I guess. But uh, let's talk basketball. There's been a ton of news. So it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday now. As of we're recording, the trade deadline is Thursday afternoon. But unfortunately, I'm a nerd and I have class on Thursday. So the chances that we could wait and talk after the trade deadline limited. And uh, there's been a lot of deals, like you said. So we're not. Yeah, and there's a- like. There's some that are rumored, like close to happening, allegedly, supposedly, Ben Simmons, Harden. Like, is that, wait, hold on. Is that close to happening? I haven't heard that trend, it's, it's trending. Who said it was close to happening? I haven't seen anything that it's close to happening from like a legitimate account. I saw Sham's report they were expected to talk. I saw well, a Sam Hammett report that towards happening. They're trying to get multiple teams involved. But let's talk about that at the end of the podcast because it's hypothetical at this point. Right. Why, Maybe it'll break a, while we're break. recording. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the deals that actually happened and we can analyze. Hold on. Can I say one thing about this Harden thing real quick? The Sixers played Danny Green last night, or I'm sorry, Tuesday night against the Suns. And if Danny Green was going to be in a Sixers deal and a Harden deal, which makes some sense, if they're not including Maxi, there's no way the Sixers would play him. So how close could a deal possibly well, be? Well, the rumors, I mean, they're talking about multiple teams. They're talking about Seth Curry. They're, you know, it's a lot going on, but we'll see. Maybe it'll update. Maybe it'll break off. Um it seems weird that I guess that's just life that, you know, you had five months to trade Ben Simmons and you wait until the last minute and like cram it in like homework or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, and obviously it might have, not get done in time. There's not enough time. It's like things, it's a long time. Things have changed too, but yeah, let's talk about some other deals uh, that have happened. Uh, I will say that just real quick, I, you can actually bet on this on bovadasportsbook.com, but I would bet against James Harden getting traded and Ben Simmons getting traded before the deadline on Thursday afternoon. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I'm not, I wouldn't put my foot down and say that like a hundred percent I would bet against it, but I, I think the smart money is that the nets are not going to do it. And well, let's not talk about too much about stuff that might have no. already happened by the time people listen or might not have. Let's talk about the stuff that happened. Let's we can keep alluding to this. But all right, you, first deal. Let's talk why about why are you stonewalling this Karis Levert talk? 
No, let's talk. You want to talk about that, the Cavs deal first? I don't you think want we talk- talked about Karis Levert yet, but does that matter to you? Does that, I mean, does it move the needle at all? Karis Levert? I think it's a Indiana good deal. Tanking now. Okay, so Indiana, they were involved in talk two- about Indiana combined because they had two deals. Yeah, Indiana was in, in two deals. Uh, one that made a lot of sense. And uh, actually, Indiana, good, good, good trade deadline for them. Uh, Portland also involved in two deals. But let's, yeah, I guess let's go with Indiana. First deal. Uh, I believe this happened on February 6th, so three days ago. Karis LeVert and a second-round pick to the Cavaliers for Ricky Rubio, a lottery-protected first, a second-round pick from the Rockets, which I believe will obviously end up being in the 30s, so it's a fairly decent pick, and then a 2027 pick from the Jazz, who knows. Um, This is the rare, I think, both teams did well. I, I, I know that... Almost everybody thinks the Pacers did better in this deal because they got a first rounder and everything. But like the Cavs are one of the few teams that like absolutely needs what Karis LeVert provides, which is like ball handling and shot creation as like they have one point guard and that's it. Like Ricky Rubio's hurt. They're relying on Rondo. Colin Sexton's hurt. Like they need Karis, a guy like Karis LeVert. And I understand that he's like a little bit overpaid probably, but I, I think this is a really good deal. And it annoys me when people act like the Pacers like fleeced the Cavs because like they got a, a lot of, they got like a first round pick that may or may not be better than Karis LeVert, but probably will be cheaper. You know what I'm saying, Zam? Like it just is, it's stupid. Like he's a good player that fits a need for the Cavs. Why can't both teams get an A? That's interesting. I mean, like we talk a lot about like first round, late first round picks, protected first round picks being so overrated in trade talks. And I think that was not to jump ahead, but like that was illustrated in the Clippers deal um, for Norm Powell, when they're like, they included Keon Johnson in the deal and everyone's like, that's worthless. I'm like, he was a first round pick this year. So if we're saying that first round picks, as soon as you have a name attached are pretty much meaningless, like then the future first round pick at number 25 shouldn't matter much. It's just more valuable because it hasn't conveyed yet. Right. Right. Like the, the mystery box aspect of it, as I continually make this joke is like, Oh, this could be great. You could draft Giannis. Yeah. Well, you could also draft, you know, like you said, Keon Johnson, who may be good. We don't know, yeah, right? Like, we don't know. But it's just so funny how, like, it's it's like a people have said, like, it's like a car. Like, it devalues as soon as you drive it. As soon as you car. drive it off a lot. Um, but, okay, going back to that, I, I'm mixed on this one because from Pacers' point of view, the Levert aspect of it. Because, look, I think Levert is one of the most overrated players in the league. Honestly. Definitely. Definitely. Because yeah. he had, like, one good... I would say one good season. It was, he played like 40 games that year. He's always hurt. He played well as like the number one option one but time. He, but Zan, he specifically, he's an unorthodox guy who doesn't shoot it well and he's not like a wing defender, but he specifically can create offense in the half court. Like that's what the guy does, right? And and like you said, like the Cavs more than any other team, like were thin on the wing. Like they really needed somebody competent. I just don't know if it really is going to help that much. I think the Cavs are kind of like riding a high, like advanced stats say they're not, they think they're legit. I just don't think they're, they're windows right now, to be honest. Let me ask you a question though. If you're the Cavs and your window is not right now, when is your window? Because if they're going to make the playoffs, right? Like, and they're probably going to avoid the playing game. I know we talked about this before, you know, I'm certainly not saying anything crazy, like go on Bovada and bet them to win the East, but like they're going to make the playoffs. It's, it's, like basically a hundred percent. And so they're not drafting in the lottery anymore. Zan. How are they getting good players? That's and, true. And so well, like, and Karis Levert, the argument, like 
Look, like, well, let's look at the Hawks last year. Cause like the Cavs have like some Hawks potential. Maybe they get lucky in a draw and end up making the conference finals. And maybe they slide back the next year. Like, is that worth it? Like, was that worth it for the Hawks? You know, like to invest a lot at the time and like Gallinari types and Bogdanovich types and they made the conference finals and now they're in the 10th spot. I think that was still worth it, right? It was so still a run. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess Cleveland's making a push and, and Brooklyn, regardless of whether they traded Harden or not, looks very shaky. They're yeah, I mean, Brooklyn will be nine and twenty-five. I mean it's crazy. They've lost nine straight games. Brooklyn will be fine. Assuming, like, let's just say everybody plays, like they'll be fine. But we don't know that everyone will play. So we'll talk more about yeah. Brooklyn. But and well, and Chicago's I, looking shakier. I mean, right. like so Philly they're, looks they're, better, Milwaukee looks yeah. better, Boston looks better, Toronto looks better. Like all those teams look like they're actually better. And so, like, but if you're Cleveland, like I just don't see I guess to me, like they have a huge flaw, right? They had a huge flaw. They still, Levert is like not a, a needle mover from a, like he's going to win you a playoff series, but the positional value provided by Karis Levert is almost certainly going to be better than like the 23rd pick right. next year. Well, now, I certainly the contract fine. aspect of it is a problem, but like they what's Levert averaging? Like, yeah, yeah. He's averaging yeah. like 19 points a game or something. And it's not like he signed for 10 years. He has two right. more years on his deal, right? At like a pretty reasonable number, I think. Well, and that's sort of like the Hawks comparison where it's like they still had Trey Young on a rookie deal at the time. You might as well use your money while you can. And same with Cavs, like Garland's still on a rookie deal. Mobley, obviously, is still. So they're underpaid. So you can overpay veterans around them. Yeah, he makes um, $17.5 this year, which is already obviously some of it's been paid out. And he makes 18.7, 18.8 next year. Like for a guy like him who's there... Garland and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are definitely better than him. And Laurie Markkinen's probably, I mean, your fifth best player makes $20 million. Like, and you can do it because you've got, like you said, two guys on rookie deals. That seems pretty good, Sam. Well, and also um, the one thing though, I think for Cleveland, I think there's still sort of hanging question is like Colin Sexton's been out all year. You're playing well without him. I think Darius Garland doesn't need him around. And he still had some trade value. I think like, I think he probably would have made sense in a deal somewhere. But maybe they thought like he's part of the future. I don't know. It's interesting trading for Levert and then assuming you're, you know, you'll get Sexton back. And maybe now because he's been injured, his value is a little bit lower. And so you can sign Sexton to a more reasonable deal and pair like Garland, Sexton, Levert, Mobley, Jared Allen, Markkinen, you know, Isaac Okoru. Well, Kevin, I mean, theoretically, it's, it's like, weird. Everyone, I don't, I don't everyone know. thought like Sexton would be amazing as like a six man. Or yeah. Lever either. So, like, if you could play either one off the bench, like, then you then you have a really deep team. I mean, I, I kind of like that. But it, will Sexton take that role? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's a restricted free agent, so it just depends on, like, the Cavs might be able to match a good deal for him. Like, I don't know. Remember, we argued, the show's been going on long enough, Zan, that, like, we talked about Zach Levine's extension in Chicago, right? Where should this, should Chicago have matched? I think it was Sacramento. And, like, it's very possible that somebody overpays Sexton, but it's also possible that, like, somebody hits him for, like, three for 50, like the Karis LeVert deal, and Cleveland might want to match at that price. Like, you can you can definitely see that. I think from the Pacers' standpoint, too, you know, it made sense to move off LeVert. Being able to get a first and a second-round pick for a guy like him who, who didn't have a future on your team is really good. And obviously now we've seen that they're making some other moves because they, they sort of made their choice and they traded – we'll just – We'll just get to this one. Yeah. Uh, let me let me bring it up. But I mean, this deal is insane on so many levels. But the Pacers traded Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and a second round pick in 2027 for 
Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. So real quick, Tristan Thompson comes off the books this year. I think Buddy Heald has one more year. Uh, I can check that. They might flip him, they're saying. Right. I could see them trading. Buddy Heald doesn't really make sense for them. But it's possible that Halliburton ends up being the best player, best future player moved at the deadline. Sabonis is almost certainly better than Halliburton is today. But he's an unrestricted free agent in two years. The Kings, I I guess the Kings just want to make the play-in game, right? And I, and I think they were just like, we need to get better right now. It sounds like De'Aaron Fox's market was not what they expected it to be, and this was the best mm-hmm. they could do for Tyrese Halliburton. And I get it, I guess, Sam. I don't know. This seems I'm like good. a that for both sides. You're saying. No, I don't understand. the. I mean, the Kings, like, I just don't, I, I don't know what the Kings, aside from like saying like, hey, we want to go 30 and 52 and we think that'll be the 12 spot. I just don't understand why you would move Halliburton as a restricted free agent who's 22 years old for a guy that's going to be an unrestricted free agent in two years. Well, and like I said, Sabonis is really good. He's better than Halliburton right now. It just for the Kings not being a free agent destination, they probably traded the one guy that was the most important to keep for a package that doesn't make them much better in the future. It probably just makes them like a 41 team. Right. And that's if they keep Harrison Barnes, you know, I hope that Indiana, because I love the moves for them. If it's followed by it, it's hard. It's not in their DNA. It's not in Rick Carlisle's DNA necessarily. But like, okay, you're 19 and 37. You're probably better than that. But like, if you just say like, let's punt this year, you know, I'm they're going to do it. Done they're it gonna, fast. I mean, they're going to play their guys, but like, do you expect Miles Turner to come back at all this year? Probably not, right? Play Isaiah Jackson. Like, That's what's so exciting about it from their perspective is like Hal Burton, probably like a little overrated in some like communities. Like, you know, everyone just like loves him so much. Yeah, I mean, he's really good. He, he's I mean, really he's really good. good. It's not, yeah. But will he ever be an all-star? Maybe, maybe he makes a couple all-star teams. Like, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, but the great thing about Halliburton, I think is like, he's a guard who doesn't need to be like a Darren Fox, frankly, like have the ball all the time. And miles Turner, like, you know, he can, he doesn't need the ball either. You know, he'll space it. He'll play defense. Like those are two, not necessarily like stars, but like very good complementary pieces for a star. And then if you get a top five pick, like then it kind of clicks into place. Yeah. Like Halliburton could very easily be the second or third best player on like a very, very good team with no yeah, problem I mean, at all. Like, like he could play little kind of guard, you yeah. know, like, like you talk, we don't want to dwell on like the Lakers, but like, that's the problem with like Russell Westbrook or John wall and all these guys who really have not developed like their, you know, complementary skill set. Um, and I like that for them. And then Kings, I think it shows two things either. One is like you really have faith in De'Aaron Fox. Like he is a guy you can build around. And now we just need, you know. I disagree with that personally. But like not, <laughs> well, not that you can't. I think, I think the Kings are saying, look, if we have. Not Fox that you can't build around this. Yeah, I disagree. I disagree with that. Not that you can't build around him, but I disagree with that, that the Kings are yeah, saying that. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then the other one is like, hey, we're on the rocks. Our coach has already been fired. The GM might get fired. <laughs> we need to, like you said, make the play-in tournament. It's. It's very odd to me that the Kings basically were like, we have to make a move. And so we, I think they traded Halliburton because like, that was the guy that most people were interested in. Right. Like, I think they tried to look at De'Aaron Fox and people were like, I don't really want that contract. Right. Like that's, that's not interesting. And I think people, they're like, all right, well, what about Davion Mitchell? And they were like, well, he's a good defensive player, but like you got to play offense to win games. And so I, I honestly think that the Kings 
basically were like, we'll take the best package we can get for one of these three guys. And this was, no, who I, it think, was. I think that's a great point. Cause I think like the league value of Fox is a lot lower than, especially with the contract attached than like the perception of so, Fox, you know, he, people were thinking he's like John Morant, like last year. Um, and he just hasn't played that well. He's not, hasn't shot the ball. He's, well. He seems, un- he seems unhappy in Sacramento too. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think that, the Kings are going to have to have to make another move. I don't know if like Harrison Barnes stays. I think Rashawn Holmes has like a lot of value. He's, a, you know, he's a really good screen and dive big for $12 million. Like that's probably the guy they have to trade. They probably also have to trade somebody like Marvin Bagley at this point and just get that contract off the books. Cause they're paying a lot of money for, you know, Fox Barnes and Sabonis. I mean, a lot of money for three guys who are like, Sabonis is good, right? Sabonis is legitimately an all-star level player who can carry your offense. And Fox is also good probably a fringe all-star those two guys together they're probably okay but now once you have Sabonis like you don't need another center right they're paying Alex Len a lot of money like what what are they doing so well yeah, I think Rashawn the team Holmes like doesn't really fit with Sabonis and, and then the exactly. thing is like a huge problem because prior to the trade they were 20th in three-point attempts 20th at in three-point percentage and now you're trading away Halliburton who's a 40 percent shooter and Buddy Heal jacks up nines a game. So now you're going to be like among the worst shooting teams in the league. One of the more like amazing things to me is like they signed Buddy Heal to what I thought was like a pretty fair extension at the time. I know he was older and like a, co- a high school, a college senior, or whatever. And then they just like legitimately were like, we hate this guy. I mean, for like two years, like, and Buddy Heal serves one specific purpose. He is one of the 10 best jump shooters in the world. That's, that's what the guy does, right? Like, he gets jump shots up and he makes jumpers. But like the Kings just for some reason were like, no, we don't like this guy. We paid him and we it's, hate him. Well, it's also, yeah, I mean, he's limited, but like that's some, seemingly something that every team needs. Right. Um, I mean, yeah. it, and, I, and the one thing the Kings have done well, I think is like have a lot of like de-escalating contracts. I think Heald is one of them that goes from like 20 to 18 or whatever. And yeah. Harrison Barnes is the same way, which makes them very tradable. But um, I'm just surprised they couldn't, you know, I, I, it was sort of like he was a throw in and yeah, I like, it was like, Hey, we want Justin holiday. Cause he defends better than buddy healed. So like, here's buddy healed. We just want this contract gone. And that's why yeah. I think like, I think the Kings have another move in them for sure. And I, and I think the Pacers are going to try Pacers. I think you probably have to try to move buddy healed. It just doesn't make sense for him to stay on your team. And he makes a lot of sense for some other teams right now that, that right. really dre- de- desperately need shooting, one of which also made a trade, and I think that's New Orleans. I don't know what New Orleans could actually trade at this point, but like a team like New Orleans probably would be head over heels for Buddy Heald, you know? And, well, and well, I, let's transition. Dallas is a guy that would be great. They'd be great for Buddy Heald. So but. you talked about New Orleans. So obviously you can read the details, but they traded for C.J. McCollum basically, right? What did they give up exactly? They gave Okay, up. this trade is actually a bit weird because the Blazers pick, or I'm sorry, the pick the, so obviously the Pelicans have like a bazillion picks because of Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. But I believe that the, this pick doesn't always convey, convey to the Blazers. Occasionally it'll convey to the Hornets. I think if it's like 22 to 30, but anyway, so the Pels get CJ McCollum, Larry Nance, and uh, a Xandrick Ellison favorite, Tony Snell. And the Blazers get Josh Hart, uh, another Xander Gellison favorite, Nikel Alexander-Walker, Thomas Sadoransky, basically the contract, uh, Didi Luzida, who I think will play a good bit for the Blazers because they're going to try to lose games. And then a first-round pick, which is lottery protected. And then I, I think it's 1-5 to five protected, and the Blazers get it if it's 5-14. to 14. 
And then I think if it's like 15 to 30, the Hornets get it this year and next year it goes to, I, I don't know. It's like, I'll have to look a little bit further, but well, well, let's talk about Portland second, but like, let's just say, look, Pelicans 22 and 32. Maybe they're chasing the plan too. It seems that they way. Absolutely, I mean, they absolutely are right. And they must assume Zion's coming back. Josh Hart was one of their better players this year. He was a guy that I thought made a lot of sense for other contenders. Uh, I mean, him going to Portland could be good, but the Pelicans got the fit. What the Pelicans got better. CJ? The Pelicans got better. McCall, I, I like the I like the fit of CJ for here for a few reasons. One is like skill set, obviously, because you have two you know forwards who are scorers, and he can be like the third guy. He's like overqualified for that role. Like score. Yeah, he makes too much money. Yeah, but but and also like the, I think the underrated part of this is like he seems like a really likable, easygoing guy. And there's just like a lot of bad vibes in New Orleans about Zion and Brandon Ingram seems like a tough guy to get to know. You know, is that like he's quiet for sure? Yeah, he's quiet. Um, so I think you need sort of like a team leader and, or you know, just a guy like a glue guy, kind of like a personality wise. And that's why it was so weird that like you know Drew Holiday they traded away and then Lonzo Ball they they got rid of who seems like a fun guy. I mean Josh Hart, Josh Hart was like a really good locker room guy, right? Yeah, like, so like it seems like they're just chasing their tail a little bit like they're mis- they're fixing their mistakes, but look it's better than not fixing it cuz I think right now like having a bunch of young guards who are underperforming like Walker, Alexander Walker unfortunately and having a pick that probably would have been like 10th, like you weren't going to get better otherwise, you know, unless Zion is really amazing for 80 games, which I don't know if we can we don't know. I mean, he may not play 80 games for the rest of his career. Who knows? Right. So a couple things, I think the discourse on CJ McCollum has kind of like spiraled a bit out of control. I understand that like at the time people thought that extension was too expensive and, you know, building around Dame and CJ, you know, we've discussed the Blazers at length over the last few years. Like we talk about them all the time. CJ McCollum is a very good NBA player and a very consistent NBA player. Whether or not he's worth $30 million a year at this point, that's what he makes, right? I don't see him as like the most toxic asset. Apparently the rest of the league did. But like this is a good deal, I think, for the Pelicans for two reasons. Josh Hart really wasn't part of their plans, right? They, they kind of gave him a $12 million deal. It's non-guaranteed in year two, so the Blazers will definitely pick it up. He's worth that. And then it's like a mutual option to year three. So the Pelicans didn't want to really tie themselves to a guy like him. Sadoransky was terrible this year, right? Like he was just awful. Uh, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker was that. I mean, he had a huge not, opportunity and he, he didn't deliver. Yeah, and he might be better on Portland if they make him a wing rather than a point guard. So just getting CJ McCollum in place of like Naw will be way better. Like he just won't, the, the guy won't be like jacking up shots and like ruining the Pelicans offense, right? He just well, won't. And like, this is like a theme that I, I still think casual fans, advanced stats fans, everybody undervalues is like your stats are just so affected by your role in your team. Um, in regards to Karis LeVert, like, hey, we're playing 30 games and you're the star. Like you're going to put up numbers, you know, correct. TJ Warren, you know, in the bubble, you're going to be our star. You're going to put, he up actually numbers. might be, he actually might be good. TJ Warren. No, I'm, I'm, they're all fine. You know, but like, um, CJ McCollum, I think is the opposite where it's like, he scored 20 points a game every year for the last seven years. And he shot like 39% from three, right? Like he, right. he's, like he's a, a tremendous limited, jump shooter, but in a very limited role. Like you're playing next to Dame Lillard, who has well, not limited. Not limited. He was well, their second option. I know, but I think like he's he's basically should be like a lead guard, you know, who 
you know, hasn't had the chance to do it. And he might be too old at this point, but he's like, 30 he now. could have been a 25 point game scorer. You know, he never cracked over 23. Um, I think he really could have shined on another team for all these years, statistically. And just playing him at shooting guard really exposes his like defensive issues and his size issues. And mm-hmm. I think that'll that'll go away. Again, I don't know about his age and the contract. Like it might be, you know, if he hits a wall, then then he got problems. But well, the, the, um, one of the issues with the Pelicans right now is like they they have sort of like tied themselves to like a two year window, right? Like, and it's not that I Zion. Think, I think it is a Zion thing, right? Like, don't you think they're trying to convince Zion to play for them? I have no idea, I, honestly. I don't. I, I love speculating well, and, wildly. You know that, but like, well, I don't. And also, like, the David Griffin thing is the same as Sacramento. Like, maybe he does need to make the plan to. Otherwise, he's getting fired. Yeah. yeah, and but also, let, let, let's talk about this for like two seconds, right? You you asked. I, I don't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago, but. You asked, should New Orleans be buyers, right? Should they assume that? And I was like, no, being buyers would be insane. I actually think this deal is fine. I I think giving up a a protected first round pick for a guy like CJ and some guys that probably weren't going to be players for you is is okay. Like, I think it's fine. But this whole idea that like no one wants to play the Pelicans in the play-in game, like nobody wants to be in a single elimination game ever. But let me ask you a question. If you're the Pelicans, would... Do you think that LeBron James is afraid of playing you in a single elimination game? Like, do you think the Lakers are like, oh, man, we got to play C.J. McCollum and Zion Williamson? Like, they just don't want to lose to anybody. This idea that, like, the Pelicans all of a sudden could be this super disruptor in the playoffs because, like, they'll get Zion back for 20 games and now they have C.J. and they have Brandon Ingram. Like, Zan, am I crazy? Like, I I, I just don't think this team is that good. Like, they're good. They're better. They're better today than they were Tuesday. But, like... How how good is this core? I'd, I've never heard that. I've never heard the fear about New Orleans. So for me, I agree. Like, and none of these, the early teams chasing the plan, especially in the West, like you get to play Phoenix, like you're going to lose four, one, four, two, whatever. It's like, you're not going to beat Phoenix. Um, and not that Phoenix is that good. They're just, what, no, they, they, solid, Phoenix is good. 10 or whatever, Phoenix you know? is good. Phoenix would blow yeah. out this New Orleans team in a series. God, I hope but they play I each think, other. So I have to actually, I think it has to be, so New Orleans has to be thinking, Less short term and like more like next year and the year after. We yeah. had such a slow start this year. We had Zion out. If we're at full strength and Zion's fit and healthy, and we make year, the playing game, we could be could really be, good. Yeah. yeah, maybe you could be. Hey, Minnesota, you know, and and twenty nine and twenty five, you could be in that range next year. They're going to be really capped out though, too, because Valanciunas is a really good player. Like again, they have a lot of like very good players, but they're all paid. You know, Devonte Graham is pretty good and he makes a lot of money. And so, like at a certain point, like these contracts do come off the book when Zion is going to get whatever is a max extension. I mean, I'm assuming he will get one, but I, I just think that like, do they have that on Bovada? Like will Zion resign in New Orleans? Cause I don't I know. I was like the most interesting thing. I was thinking, well, he doesn't, the problem is like, this is why trading Tyrese Halliburton like made no sense because restricted free agency just like crushes a player's rights, obviously. So like, even if Zion doesn't want to re-sign New Orleans, unless he pulls a Ben Simmons, which I'm not saying is out of the realm of possibility, he could be quietly doing that now for all we know. Right. But like, he doesn't have a choice. Like they can do whatever they want. They can match any salary somebody offers him. So like, if he doesn't want to sign and they don't care, then he's going to be on the Pelicans. So I don't know. I, I want to know if you think it's more likely that Zion wins. Is it more likely that Zion makes first team NBA, all NBA or that he fights a Paul brother at some point? 
or something. You know, Paul brother? What is that? Oh, Logan Paul, you mean? I just think that Zion's value is like so much greater as like a social media content creator than it is as an NBA player right now. I don't know why I feel that way, no, but it's like... I, I say I disagree. I think they're let me ask you, like... But like, they made this trade, right? When did this trade? Tuesday, did they do this on Tuesday or Monday? I can't remember. Like, they make the trade, I think, on Tuesday, right? And all of a sudden... Photoshop season on the internet is just like, it's crazy, right? It's it's Zion and Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum. And it's like, who wants to play these guys on offense? And it's like, dude, Zion hasn't played a game in a year. We have no idea. The guy I know could, where you're getting all this hype from. Are you like living in, in New Orleans or something? Because I, I haven't heard much positive stuff about New Orleans right now, to be honest. Have you not? I don't know. I just felt like House of Highlights and like, you know, Bleacher Report were all over it. And I just, I just feel like, I feel like the Pelicans are more interesting than they were yesterday, but I, I, I just don't find them to be that interesting because the most interesting thing about them is that Zion is missing in action. But you know what? Like in Zion's defense, and I'll take a, I'll take a loss on this one. I remember early on in, in Joel Embiid's career where I'm like, this guy's never going to be healthy. Yeah. I would trade him. And I literally thought they should trade him. And he's been healthy and he's been, you know, top three MVP candidate this year. And Absolutely. Zion, Two years in a row, really. Figures, yeah. If Zion figures it out, he has that potential. Maybe not defensively, but. Um, Maybe defensively. He's pretty, he's pretty freaking good, man. Like, I, that's kind of like the problem. Like, everyone's all over John Morant right now. And, like, he's been tremendous. But, like, we also know what Zion's capable of doing. He's, like, legitimately unguardable when he's healthy. Yeah. Like, like, he just is on offense. He's an absolute monster. It is insane. Well, and also you just see across the league, like the league is so, you know, small ball, whatever, space and pace, like they're just not equipped to guard, you know, big, strong guys anymore. And no, you're Jokic right. And Giannis and Embiid are just like dominating. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're exactly, you're exactly right about that. And it, I mean, we saw it originally, like just people weren't prepared to guard LeBron. Like they hadn't seen that level of like size, strength and skill. Right. And obviously like he's, you know, he, he's an alien, but it's just, I don't know. Uh, so let's well, talk about from the, yeah. Blazers. Portland is the most interesting part, probably, right? All right, so Portland gets, like I said, I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker is going to play a lot, right? And seemingly, we'll talk about, let me let me just go over this other Portland deal, too, because it, it matters in, like, the grand scheme of things. So this was, I think, actually the first deal. So Portland just basically salary dumps Norm Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers for Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a future second-round pick. I, I mean... Basically, what Joe Cronin has done, it appears to me, Zan, is that he looked at all the stuff that Neil Olshay did and was like, we're going to undo all of it. Basically. Yeah, and wasn't he there? I mean, like, I don't understand. Like, he wasn't on board with so, any of this stuff. I guess. I mean, the Norman Powell thing is Norman Powell is a very good NBA player. Uh, he's older as well, another college guy. So, but the Clippers are probably going to make the playing game. Right. They might make the playing game. I think they're well, in the I don't nice. know. They're 27 and 29. They're eighth spot right now. Paul George is, I, I just don't know if Paul George is going to come back. We heard the news that yeah. Kawhi is like very unlikely to play. And I, I mean, I said that from the start, like that guy's not coming back to like fight in the playoffs this year. So this is like pretty clearly a move for next year. I think the Clippers will probably move Robert Covington. I, I think it doesn't make sense to keep his contract on the books. I think it's up after this year, but like the, the Blazers, they took Gary Trent, who was like a good pick, a good draft pick, right? Second round draft pick, traded him for Norman Powell, gave Norman Powell a big deal. And then the next year, the, the GM gets fired and they're just like, ah, oh, no, this stunk. We need to get rid of it. And so they get back basically cap space from this specific deal, right? Eric Bledsoe, I'm, I'm guessing, will be bought out. Uh, Keon Johnson is an intriguing like lottery 
like wild card, right? Like, you know, he's a lottery ticket. Maybe he's good. And then Justice Winslow is obviously an expiring deal as well. So like this deal was basically like, all right, we want cap space back, right? Okay. So then they make this deal with CJ McCollum to get even more cap space. And then Josh Hart, who makes some sense, a, a, a first round pick, which is a good idea, right? And then Nikel Alexander-Walker basically. And so it's kind of like, if you're looking at it, you're like, all Portland really got here was like flexibility and some some like lottery upside. And then now they still have Damian Lillard. And so like, what's going to happen, Zan? Like, what do you have? Well, I, I mean, and I feel another L for me, take an L. Because I thought Portland, and I think you did too, thought they would be have like a bounce back year this year. I'm really surprised. I mean, Dame being injured, but well, that and, was and he like, was like never I, clearly okay. It makes sense. But I, I thought at the time, like, I'm like, look, they're they slightly improved the supporting cast with like you know Covington full year. Larry Nance is playable. I thought Zeller was playable. I thought Tony. He's Snell out. They playable. they just cut Cody Zeller. He's out for the year, I think, yeah. with a knee surgery. Tony Snell hadn't done anything. Larry Nance is good, but. Again, he's better on a good team. and Yeah, because yeah, I thought those guys with a decent supporting cast would make the playoffs. Obviously, Lillard just didn't look right all year. McCollum was hurt. The defense, they're just way too small of a team. Their defense is terrible again. So it makes sense to tear down. But, like, you're right. Like, what's the follow-up? Like, it's like, it's like you and your wife buy a house that has a lot of prop potential and you tear it down and spend your money tearing it down, but you don't have money to build it back up. Well, they will have, they will have money. It's, it's almost like you have money, but you you have no, yeah, you don't have, you have no raw materials. Right. And so, right. That, that's a good point because it's like, I think a lot of it's going to go to re-signing Simons. Who's, you know, going to put up numbers. Yeah. And they'll put, I I mean, they should probably re-sign Simons, right? Like that's now you're going to end up with two scoring guards again, Lillard and Simons. Yeah. But basically nothing else. Well, Nasir Nasir Little has been pretty good this year. I think is, and and Josh Hart is maybe a starter. So Josh Hart's a good thing. Yeah. Josh Hart's a good player. I I would say a good player, but yeah, it it basically was like, Hey, now the, now I'm sorry. Now the Blazers have like potential to rebuild the team. Like, it's not even a rebuild. Like, they're just in a spot where, like, they should be fine because they still have Dame Lillard, assuming he comes back healthy. Reasonable expectation, I think. He could be a little bit worse. He's getting older. But, you know, and he signed through 2025, right? So you have that done. But what is out there for them? Like, what are they going to do? Like, they do have picks and stuff. So, obviously, tank this year, right? Play play Simons, play Alexander Walker, play Keon Johnson, play Nasir Little, like, play your young guys. But, like, try to get the best pick you can. And maybe you get super lucky and, like, you get Chet Holmgren or you get Jabari Smith. I don't know. You know what I mean? But that's got to be part of the plan. The hard part to understand is, and a lot of you you alluded to it, I think, off or on mic, like, cap guys really like this move for them and, you know, like, the the, how much space they cleared up. But, I mean, the hard part to understand is, like, it makes sense to blow it up. But you're committing it seemingly publicly to keeping Damian Lillard and making a push next year. And it's hard to connect those dots because even if you get Chet Holmgren and Simons is playing well, like, is that a playoff core? You know, two super young guys with Damian Lillard who's over 30 and being paid $50 million a year. Like, it doesn't really add up. And I mean, I think you trade Damian Lillard and just go really young, which I mean, so this is this is sort of how excited everyone was last year about the Russell Westbrook deal for the, for the wizards. Right. Like, so they trade Russell Westbrook and they get back, 
you know, some good players and, and like now they have flexibility. It's like whatever now Beal's out for the year. We didn't even mention that. That was pretty, right. pretty big news. Cause it, it kills well, another big- team that'll probably be tanking now. So it's going to be crowded at the bottom. It's, it's also interesting because all of this kind of points to Simmons and Harden, because like, it seems like the, the list for the Sixers was probably Damian Lillard, James Harden and, and Bradley Beal. Right. And yeah. now Portland is, is, I don't even know if the Sixers would want to trade for Damian Lillard right now. Cause I, I don't know if he can actually play this year. My assumption is he will not play this year based on the fact that Portland is certainly tanking, but um, could he play for a Philly? Could I, he I, don't play? Think- I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I don't know. But I, I would say like now there's no way Portland is going to trade Damian Lillard right now because they can still trade him for a ton in the off season, right? Like it doesn't matter what they do with him right now. Like they can hold serve, see what they think of their young guys, see who they have to pay and then decide what they want to do with Dame, like maybe around draft time, right? It doesn't matter, but he's not getting traded. And now Brad Beal broke his wrist and needs wrist surgery and he's out for the year. And so like, he's got a player option for next year. Like I don't see the Sixers being like, sure, we'll trade you Ben Simmons for Brad Beal who can't help us this year and maybe just opt out anyway. Like, so that's just not happening. Right. And so I I just think when you talk about flexibility, like what flexibility are we talking about here, Zane? Because like what free agents are coming to Portland? Like, who are they signing? Or, or if you, you know, and that's a great point. Like, let's say you were the GM of Portland, whom we don't even know if he's going to be the long-term GM either. If they're letting him make these moves, how could he not? How could he not? Be? Right. That's fair. So let's, but let's say he, you get hired as his advisor and the mandate is one-year punt that has worked out well. Like, remember, like, you know, Dallas kind of tanked and got Luca. you know, Golden State tanked for a year and ended up with Wiseman, which is not great, but. It, they bounced right back. Toronto kind of had a bad year last year, got Scotty Barnes, and then now they're back in it. Um, so it can work. You can bounce back. Like a yo-yo point. dieter or something. That's a but good like, point. What, what move would you make? If you're like, hey, I want to win 45, 50 games next year. What do we need? Like who's available? Who's out there? Max Deal. I think I know the, the most likely one, but I'm not sure. Well, my fear for their sake would be like, they're just going to spend the money because they have money and end up with like Tobias Harris or end up with wow. Jeremy Grant and overpay him or Julius Randall. Like what about, what about the market? What about your boy? The, the best unrestricted free agent on the market. There's a bunch of guys that have like player options, right? Like Harden has a player option. Kyrie has a player option. Beal has a player option. Russell Westbrook has a player option. John Wall, those guys probably exercising their, their options would be my guess. How about Zach Levine? But he's, I mean, is there any reason he wouldn't leave Chicago right now? I don't know. Maybe he wants to play with Dame. He's a Pacific Northwest guy, right? He's from Seattle. I I would put like, he is unrestricted, right? So like uh, he is the best free agent available. That is 100% available, right? We we talk so much about like Zion or DeAndre Ayton's a restricted, like they'll just match it if they have to. That's what what I'm saying. Like DeAndre Ayton, like I think Portland would love to give him an offer sheet, but like the Suns are matching DeAndre Ayton. Like it's just not, how could they not? But, and the problem with Zach Levine is he's playing so well that it's not like one of those situations where it's like, if we overpay him, we can get him because there is no overpaying him at this point. Like he's probably a max guy, you know? And yeah. I mean, he, he's a max guy, hundred yeah. percent. But and I'm not saying like, I don't even think that like Portland would be one of the favorites on Bobata to get a guy like Zach Levine. But if you truly are saying like, Hey, flexibility is what we want. Now we can build around Dame. Like that's the only guy really that like is, is an instant, instant, instant needle mover. And that, and like, well, and I also, don't, like, you, you don't have the assets really, like even the picks decide, let's say they'll have two firsts, right. Assuming that let's just say New Orleans doesn't make seeds, this. You sow the seeds of discord 
and you like convince Donovan Mitchell to come to Portland. He doesn't like Utah. Like, what do you trade? A couple of first round picks for two, two top. You, they could have two top 10 picks. I guess. I mean, it, so you really have to love the draft. And then you're talking about a team that has like, would you now. like, what do you think is, let's say Amphrey Simons is, let's say he signs for He's 20 million, decent amount. Yeah. 20 million a year. Let's say, let's say he gets three years, 60 million or four years, 80 million. Let's say he gets the longer term deal. Like, do you think a top 10 pick and Simons at that salary price as a sign and trade is good enough to get a guy that is a real difference maker? Yeah, maybe. I mean, if you're including Simons, because I do think Simons is the kind of guy who's trending into like, I could be a a star. Yeah. I mean, he's, they're not going to trade him though. Like he's so young. Like it's not going to happen. Like he's also like the scary thing about Simons is like, is this just CJ McCollum 2.0, you know, where he's like a scorer who's probably not a little undersized to be a shooting guard playing next to Dame again. Right. But he's so like, he's, so, I don't know. I mean, I, is Simon's 22. He might be 22. Let me say, look it up. he's 22. He's, yeah. He's going to turn 23 this year. He's averaging he, 16 points a game right now. That'll like balloon up, you know, in the next few months. Yeah. I mean, with Dame out, he's been averaging like over 20. Like he shows signs of being like a point guard. He can play next to Dame. I do think, like I said, Nikhil Alexander Walker for, for all the like lamenting about him this year, he's probably just better as like a three and D guard, like, and yeah. just, he, he might actually serve that type of purpose. And so like, I just think that again, good on Portland, right. Especially if they still do believe in Dame. And I, and I have a, a very hard time believing that they made these moves Zan without saying to Dame, like, Hey, this is what we're doing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Apparently like they talk to him frequently before every game, he's on board with all this stuff. And the thing that really bothers me though, about the NBA in general and team building and strategizing is like, we're talking about a lot of teams that are theoretically going to start tanking and then hope to get lucky, like Washington, Indiana. I mean, this is what you should, like, I I despise tanking. And I like the fact that like Sacramento and, and like new Orleans are going to try to make the playing game. But like, honestly, it's, it's stupid as a long-term move when you're out of the race to not just be like, let's just try to get the best pick we can. No, I, I totally get it. But like the thing that bothers me about it is like, you're making the right move. And then it's just completely luck, whether you have the number one oh, yeah. pick or the number six pick. And it's such a big difference, really. Um, and especially for teams that are in that sort of one year punt, like you really have to get lucky, you know? Like, yeah, you're, like if you're the Spurs and got a top four pick or whatever it was. If you're the you Spurs know? and you get Tim Duncan on a year when David Robinson's out, like right. I, I, there was a total franchise changer was- for that. Well, that's why Sam Hankey kind of game the system where it's like, okay, I can't rely on that, but if I'm bad for every year in a row, then I'll get some good players. Which again is is not a but they don't they don't have that luxury in Portland. Like if they end up with the seventh pick, what's that gonna do for them? Right. But you also could end up with the second pick in a right. draft, like when it's James Wiseman, if you're Golden State and you do this and it doesn't help you at all. Right. That's fair. But um I think Portland is is they have a narrow bullseye to hit. To like immediately turn yeah. on the gas. I mean, obviously their window is different because it's it's around Dame. But like if Dame says like, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. I mean, it, it seems like Dame wants to play with Ben Simmons. But like, yeah, I don't know how. That would be an interesting way to do it. But I don't know, I don't know how, how does Portland get Ben Simmons? Yeah, you'd have to like, you need like some sort of like, you know. You, are they taking two. calculus. Are they taking like two first round picks and Simons for Ben Simmons? It doesn't seem likely, no. right? I, I just don't I'm know. Watching, I'm keeping an eye on Twitter for the latest rumor is the Nets want Maxi and Tybal included in the deal. I don't think that would happen. 
mean, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Like you said, it's, it's just not going to happen. But one thing I will say, let's talk about that. Obviously uh, I said it before. I, I, I don't think I would spend my hard earned money on Bovada and bet on James Harden moving. Uh, Steve Nash gave like the impassioned, like, just I, want to say, I think it is going to happen, by the way. I, I disagree with you there. But that's why I didn't want to speculate because it's probably going to be answered by the time people are listening. Maybe. I mean, it could happen Wednesday night. Like, certainly it could happen Thursday morning. I just want to know, like, if you're the Nets, right, you traded so much to get him. So I, I think there's been this like, like of Jared Allen, who's now verge of all-star status. Yeah, I mean, he probably doesn't end up that guy on the Nets, but he was good for the Nets, right? Like, he was a good player. Um, but like they also traded like Karis Levert and like, you know, whatever. I, I just think that like, obviously one of the issues here is what is James Harden's like level of happiness with the Nets, right? If the Nets think that he is going to stay, you shouldn't trade him. That's just the bottom line. They have to figure out is James Harden staying? And even so, do we think we can win the title if we don't move him this year? And so a lot of moving but parts, right? His unhappiness is obviously like the Kyrie situation would be annoying. I mean, the Nets but Kyrie it, is playing now at least half the time. The Nets claim that he's not unhappy. You know, that's that's kind of a thing. Like the Nets are saying that like he's not unhappy, and so that's why like when when Shams reported like they're expected to discuss a deal, like I thought it was the most lazy type of reporting possible because it's like yeah, sure, like okay, if I call up Sean Marks from my office and I'm like, hey, Sean let's talk about James Harden. And he's like, no, didn't they just talk about a James Harden deal? <laughs> right. I, I just don't, there was one. Like Steve, Harden. Steve Nash said he, they were not trading him. And I'm not saying Nash is the beyond I'll say, but like they, he literally said the other night, like we are not yeah, trading James Harden. Kind of reports about him, them talking about trading him. What, um, repo- what reports have there been though? Like Sam Amick get, report. Get on, get off new Orleans.com <laughs> machine and get on regular ESPN. Cause they're just talking about talking about how close it is theoretically to happening who's who's talking about it let me let me ask you a question so so brian windhorse who and sham sharania right two guys who specifically carry water for clutch sports all the time are the only ones saying that this is close to happening or could happen like something doesn't add up for me well we'll see we'll uh, stay tuned for that but the thing that's weird about the harden thing is like there was some report true or not he didn't like the brooklyn's roster didn't have enough shooting and I'm like, I get that. They have a bunch of, you know, duds surrounding the roster, the stars. But you're also talking about Kevin Durant's hurt. Joe Harris is Joe hurt. Joe Harris is hurt. We don't know Patty if he's Mills coming back. Is shooting 40% from three. Kyrie is obviously a good shooter. Like, at full strength, this would be an amazing shooting team. Like, what are you complaining about? Yeah, I mean, I think the, I think the biggest deal is, like, is Kevin Durant going to come back healthy? And if he is... You should probably keep James Harden. If he's not, then you should probably trade James Harden because you're not going to win the title. And well, and I also wonder. This is all speculation, but what else are we going to do? I wonder if he just doesn't like the culture. Like there was some reports that like this is I don't know if this is libelous or not, but I read it somewhere that like the Nets are like you know pay for you know apartments for their stars' girls. Yeah, they do. It's 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 a good situation culturally for sure. Yeah, but like maybe it's too soft for his liking, and they're too enabling of Kyrie's. You know. Too Whatever. soft, James yeah. Harden. Well, I'm just thinking, like, he's like, maybe this is just a rotten situation. The coach is maybe half a coach. I mean, like, they really, it's like the uh, comfort in or whatever. All right. NBA let's, franchises right now. So let's talk about this from both sides. We, we kind of talk about it from the net side. I don't think the net should do anything. But again, if if he's not going to let you know if he wants to leave or not, then it's it's a tough gamble to take. I want to talk I, about from I the think I would not trade James Harden. I mean, if I no, I, I wouldn't either. But here's yeah. here's my thing. Especially if I'm the, to Philly, by the way. If I'm the Sixers, 
and I, I want James Harden. And, and this is why Daryl Morey is very polarizing, if you will. Does that, does that describe yeah, sure. Daryl? Sure. He's trying to, I think both teams are trying to bluff, right? And they're trying to be like, hey, we think James Harden will just opt out and then we can sign him. And obviously signing him, they have to move Ben Simmons still. Like there's a bunch of stuff that has to go on, right? But, I mean, he's like, we're not going to trade Maxi. Like if you really think you can win a title – is Tyrese Maxey being on the team like the biggest thing ever? Like you're trading for James Harden. Do you need Tyrese Maxey? Here's another thing. If you trade Ben Simmons, the guy that needs to guard Kevin Durant in the playoffs now plays with Kevin Durant. So there's another problem if you're the Sixers as well. So like they can't trade Matisse at all. Like he has to stay on the team if they're going to trade Ben Simmons to Kevin Durant's team because like they're going to be so bad defensively with like a, a Maxey, Harden, Tobias, like backcourt, right? I mean, who have Seth Curry? I don't know. Like, they, they just have to do this deal around like Maxi, I think. And I don't understand if they really don't want to trade Tyrese Maxi. Like, I don't think they can make this deal happen. It just doesn't well, exist to me. You raised, you raised a good point, I think, where it's like everyone talks about the fit of Ben Simmons and Embiid, but like the fit of Ben Simmons and and Tybal has always been awkward just because then you have two like complete non shooters. Right. And so you don't really need both. One who knows how to play offense and one who does not. Yeah. So like, and, and that makes sense. And, and Maxi is a good score. He's kind of like the Anthony Simons of, of Philly right now. Like these rising scores. Right. They really like him. He's averaging like 17 points a game. He's shooting, I think, right around 40% from three. And if you think he is this guy, right, if you think he is a 40% three-point shooter, maybe it makes sense to keep him. But if that's the case, then why are you trading for James Harden anyway? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think twofold. Like, thought, like if I'm Brooklyn... Like, it's so weird. Like, last month we were talking about, you know, Kyrie's just so annoying. It's time to trade him. He's a big hole in the roster. And now we're talking about trading Harden. Um, I just don't see how you can justify trading him to Philly because even if you make your team 10% better based on fit and depth. Yeah, I mean, Durant and Simmons together, like, with Kyrie is good. Like, it's a good team. be 10% better, but you're making your direct rival 30% better. Like, I just don't think that adds up. Um, Like, I think... I'd rather, if I'm Brooklyn, be like, okay, Philly, just stick with Ben Simmons, who's not playing, me, and we'll meet you in the playoffs. Let me ask you a question. I just I, I just see, so Bleacher Report just went on that wind horse thing where, like, James Harden <laughs> is pushing for a trade and screaming in every way possibly he can to get out of Brooklyn. If that's the case, is Brooklyn literally just going to wait till 3 o'clock on Thursday and then take whatever deal's on the table? Is that what you think is going to happen? I, that's why I bet on yes. I, I would go on Bovada and bet on yes on the trade because it's just there's too much smoke right now. And whether it's inflated or not, like, the, you know. So if they don't trade James Harden and they keep him on the team, is he just going to pout and not play? Well, it's so frustrating from, from like a fan's point of view. What's the downside to not to keeping him and being like, we want to win a title this year. This is what you want to do. This is why you came here. What's well, the downside? It, it reminds that? me of those people who are like, if you're talking to somebody who's like, whatever this legitimate depression or whatever. But then there's people who are like, they always think they're like, something's wrong with their life where it's like, you know, when I move to Colorado, then I'll be happy. And then they move to Colorado and then they're not happy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. But, and Harden, like talk about, you've had every situation possible. You were in Oklahoma city on a young potential dynasty. I mean, he didn't ask out of Oklahoma city. Well, he want, I think he probably would want the big contract and the big stats in Houston. Uh, And then they tailor the entire team around you putting up MVP caliber stats. Yeah. And then they blew it up. 
<laughs> well, maybe that's what he wants again. That's not what he wanted. D'Antoni and Daryl Morey no, both no, left. Blow up. But the, the fact that he comes to Brooklyn and has to take a sacrifice in terms of his stats to chase a ring and he's not happy makes me think he cared more about the stats. That makes me think, like, I want to put up 30 and 10 every night and be remembered. He hasn't tried to do that with the Nets, though. I, no, I don't understand. He can't because he, he's playing next to Harden. You know, I mean, playing to Durant. I think he doesn't like not being the focal point of a team. And not even from an ego point of view. I think there's some legitimate basketball point of view, too, because he's not like a stand and catch and shoot score shooter. You know, he's like he wants the ball. He wants to, you know, pass. He wants to be like the last guy with the ball or passing it to the guy shooting. He doesn't want to stand around and watch Durant work. I don't think. I mean, I, that's I, like, I think we're taking a reason to, bro- I, to leave Brooklyn. I think we're taking a lot of. It's like Aaron Rodgers to me and Green Bay. It's like you want to yeah. leave. Like, what else do you want? What what more would make you happy? Because you're playing on a one. But this is but, but let me ask you. you. Okay, paid so, a lot. All right, so let me let's say that your theory is correct. All right. Well, what else would it be besides like the hard that? I'm not. I don't even think he's unhappy. Like I, I'm telling you, like I we saw James Harden unhappy in Houston. We saw him give one of the most hilarious press conferences of all time. That like this team's just not good enough. Like I don't want to be here. Like I don't know what but to he do. Also, he wasn't happy when he was playing with Chris Paul. Allegedly, he, he was happy. I, I don't understand. This is this is my point. Like I don't understand why we're taking this news that like uh, James Harden is like famously kind of like a powder, right? Like for sure, he he always kind of looks like a little bit sad, like a little bit chubby. That's just who James Harden is, right? However, the whole team when James Harden a lot of joy when when James Harden. But like when James Harden wanted to get out of Houston, he made it very obvious that he wanted to get out of Houston. Sure. If he wants to get out of Houston and he knows that there is this tailor-made fit with Philly to, 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 to make this deal, why wouldn't he just say like, yeah, I honestly, I don't want to be here. I, like, why I wouldn't he, just, why wouldn't he make the decision for the Nets? Why wouldn't he do that? I think he kind of handled the Houston situation in a passive aggressive. I don't think he was as open. Remember, he like he showed up and kind of played poorly. He literally like, tried not to show up. They fined him to get him to show up. Yeah, but then he, he violated up. COVID protocol, and then they literally were like, "You have to play if you want if we want us to trade you." It was so obvious at that point. What is what has Harden done this year that makes it obvious? He's just had been out with like a sore hamstring. He had a hand injury. Like I, I don't. I, I just truly. I'm not saying that like Shams well, and Brian Windhorse. Maybe it's just this from the Nets' point of view. Like, look, we want you to commit to an extension now, and you're not. If you're not willing to do it, that makes me think you have one foot out the door. And he already said no. He said like I'll negotiate after the year. Like he already said that because they can't. I don't think he can sign an extension right now. Anyway, obviously, I, I think you have to wait. But like, I just, I, 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 my, the hardest thing for me to understand is that like. Knowing what we know about James Harden, why wouldn't he just force the Nets' hand here? Because the second he says I'm not going to resign. They have to move him. But I don't even know if they have to. Like, if you thought this team was still going to win a title this year, isn't that? Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you absolutely don't have to. You're, you're exactly right. But if he walks for nothing and you traded a bunch of picks, didn't they trade like three first round picks and four pick swaps or yeah, something? But I, mean, I would always count if I'm Brooklyn and be like, look, let's keep them, figure out sign and trade in the offseason or something. Right. Like that. That's ex- not that easy to sign a $50 million guy. That, that is exactly correct, what you're saying. 100% correct. And it's also not the easiest thing for the Sixers to just immediately fit him into their cap sheet. Like if he's under contract, they can do it. But like, there's some things that have to happen. But like, I just, I'm not saying that like Brian Windhorst is wrong or Shams is wrong, but I do think it's very interesting that the two guys who have the connection with Ben Simmons' agents are the ones that are pushing this narrative. And every other like credible NBA reporter 
is saying that the Nets have rebuffed them over and over and over again. So it can be both, well, right? It, it can, I, I think you gloss over a point I think is important, and it's speculative again. But you think about you know Golden State, and they just look like they're having fun, great culture. And then is there a team that looks like a sad sack team more than Brooklyn? You know, even if they were playing well, like it's just like they just have these like personalities that they're just like. Durant has. They didn't look sad in the playoffs. Like I, I just think that like I think they do. We're 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 looking. We're glossing over the fact that like the guys never play together, right? Which is one thing that's. I I just I just personally feel like trading Kevin Durant's always salty. Kyrie Irving's that's just how he is. Like that's right, but like compare that to like Milwaukee and Giannis is so fun and Steph Curry. When did they look like that? People were talking about how Giannis looked like sad in the playoffs last year. I don't know. They looked like they were having fun to me. No, I mean when you win, it's fun. And they got Brooke Lopez. I mean the Nets. The Nets looked like they were having fun when they were swinging the ball around, scoring two hundred points a game last year. But that one like stretch when Blake Griffin was playing well, they looked like they were having fun. I just think again. It is very possible that moving James Harden is the better move for the Nets. I think they will ultimately make the better move. But I'm saying if James Harden is truly unhappy and he has told the Nets that he's unhappy and doesn't want to be there, it makes very little sense to me that they would keep him. And I understand part of it's a negotiation tactic, right? You need Philly to feel like they have to give you the offer that you want to get him. And then you can just take what you want at the end of the day. And so Daryl Morey is obviously under the camp that Harden does not want to be there and he will not opt in. And so he's not going to include a guy that he thinks is going to be a rotational piece for them or a better in Maxi going forward. But if I'm Brooklyn, there's no fucking way I'm trading James Harden for just Ben Simmons. I'm just not doing it. Yeah. And, and getting they need that. him so much more right now because Ben Simmons just doesn't play. They can't win a title if they don't make a deal. They can't. Right. And you're right. And you're making a direct rival better. I think it's interesting too. Like, I can't remember. I was going to do research to see that when's the last time this happened, but preseason favorites, I think to win the title on Bovada and everywhere else, Brooklyn and the Lakers are combined 55 and 54. And like, you might say injuries, injuries, whatever, but like, you know, Philly's playing without a $30 million player. They're 10 games over 500. The Clippers are playing without two star. They're two stars. They're about 500. So like, that's like such a ma- massive. I mean, the Nets, the Nets don't really count though. Like, you think it's just like Durant's hurt. Is that? Well, they played the entire first half of the season pretty much without one of their stars. Then Durant gets hurt and Harden missed time as well. So like, and you can also say, despite this losing streak, they're, you know, there's three games over 500, right? What are they 29 and 25 or 29 and 26? 29 25. Theoretically, yeah. they're only like four or five games back. The, from the if, so. if you told me like the Nets at full strength, like with Joe Harris and everything, like the Nets are good enough to win the title. The Lakers are certainly not. And I don't know what the Lakers are going to do. And I don't really want to talk about them because they haven't done anything. But I would assume the Lakers are going to make some move centered around. Yeah, we'll come back for an over. emergency podcast if something crazy happens. But right now, um, and we've speculated enough about the Harden deal. So even if that happens, we've kind of talked about it. Can you give me one prediction? Who's going to make a wild move? Again, I think Robert Covington gets. I think Robert Covington gets traded to like the Jazz. Yeah, give me a wild, wild move. That one's a snoozer. <laughs> like, what team is erratic? Like, who's like the guy who's like drunk? Sacramento. <laughs> they already Sacramento's did it. That's going to make another move. I don't know, man. I, like, I don't. The candidates would be like the Knicks, the Lakers. You know. I mean, I think there's a chance the Knicks move Julius Randle, which obviously they just signed him to a deal, and so I'm not I'm not really sure about that. But I don't I don't know. I honestly I don't have a big feel for like guys that are available because like so much of the market. One Bradley Beal getting hurt was like a big a big blow to the market, right? Because 
Yeah. Wizards are absolutely not trading him now. Nobody's trading for him. But like, so that's a huge deal. And then Dame, like Portland blowing it up and claiming they want to build around Dame is such a big deal. So there's just so much noise on this Harden Ben Simmons thing. That's another thing, by the way, Zan, that like we talk about like there's smoke, there's smoke, there's smoke, but there's no other deal to make for Ben Simmons right now, right? Halliburton got traded, like Buddy Heald's already gone. The Kings are just like idiots. Like the Kings and Pacers were like, we're not gonna wait for you, Philly. So like what what's gonna happen if it's not James Harden? Nothing, right? Like well, so I'll, make the, I'll make this prediction again. It's Wednesday morning, so it might have happened. It might not have happened. I think the Lakers are interesting in the sense that there were some reports saying, like, you know, obviously Westbrook, they're they're not playing him in crunch time. It's a disaster. Um, there was some report even like they might just wait until the off season to figure it out. I'm like, I just don't see. They're going to make a deal. They'll make some yeah. deal. Like, I just don't see LeBron James and Anthony Davis basically in their primes, not trying in a season and slipping into the play-in or slipping out of the playoffs. I think they have to make some move desperate or not. And I think there's moves to be made that would help their team. I think they're going to end up with a pretty good piece, like a Buddy Heald or a Jeremy Grant or something. I think they, I, I don't I can't explain exactly what it is. I, it's funny you mentioned Buddy Heald. I don't think they're going to give up. So Zach Lowe reported uh, like a minute ago that as of today, the Pacers don't tr- plan to flip Buddy Heald. Interesting. Uh, but you never know. I mean, the right offer, like I said, if, if the Sixers come to the table and say like, hey, we'll give you Maxie and Ben Simmons, then I bet the Nets will trade James Harden. You know what I mean? Like, And there's other teams that are like, haven't made a move yet and are not usually inclined to make a move, but like, will the Spurs trade, you know, Portal, Thad- they were saying. Thaddeus Toronto. Young. Or, yeah, 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 something. Exactly. Like, are they going to give up, basically? Tor- Toronto could end up being buyers. They have that Gordon Dragic contract and like, they're actually pretty yeah. good. And then the other thing, too, is like Boston has played a lot better lately. They've been really, really good defensively. They're the number one defense in the league right now. But like they could trade Dennis Schroeder. And like that's a contract that people, I mean, people would be interested in. It's a very cheap contract. Yeah. And And they could keep him because they think they can win the East, which is also a plausible thing to think about. And other other guys that like we haven't talked about that are on the market and would be cheap, you know, Eric Gordon's out there, even like a Terrence Ross. He's definitely, Eric Gordon is definitely getting traded. I would be stunned if Eric Gordon didn't get traded. And if Washington blows it up, are all their guys on the KCP Trez like those guys could get traded too yeah I don't know it's interesting there's a lot of stuff that can happen I think a lot of stuff will happen in the next 24 hours but isn't it funny though that like it's such a it's like a college kid thing you know writing a finals like so much flurry of activity right at the deadline like you could have done this last week like what was the harm yeah I don't know I mean honestly like I, I do think one of the reasons I'm bearish on a Harden deal getting made is because I think the league understands how Daryl Morey works. Like he is absolutely not caving on this. Right. So it's going to have to be the Nets deciding like, all right, that, 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 this is the biggest thing. It's like, is this information from Brian Windhorst true or not? Like if James Harden has told them he does not want to be there, then they'll make a deal. That's the only thing because Morey's not going to include Tyrese Maxey. Right. Like he's, he's not going to do that because ownership is not going to make him make a deal for James Harden. So like, it's basically a situation of like, I, I I personally think the Nets should keep it together and try to win the title this year. Cause if you win the title, then he probably resigns anyway. Right. doesn't really matter. But like, I just, I just, we know Daryl Morey is not going to compromise. He's done this in the past. He will not do it. So what are we waiting on? You know, I agree. Do you want to do a quick Oscar recap or no? No Oscars. Cause I did watch Coda though. Just to let you know. It's good. Right. It was a good movie. It's good. It's it's, it's not the type of, of movie that would win Best Picture, but it's like a good watch. Yeah, I kind of withdraw my like dark horse sleep for that. Yeah, it's reason. not. It's not an Oscar. Belfast is supposedly the one. 
saying. Well, that's what I've heard. According to Bovada, Power of the Dog is the favorite, minus 160. Mm-hmm. Belfast plus 250. Coda did not get the bump I thought it was, to plus 250. I mean, 2,500, sorry. Um, but I agree. Like, you've mentioned this off camera too or whatever. Like, there's certain dramas that are like, prestige dramas that are like uncomfortable and not really fun to watch but they're oscar yeah they're oscar movies like they're made really well the story's really good like they're written very well right like most people would not enjoy watching them to be honest like but like hollywood people like them um and i like them so but like coda is more of like the feel-good drama you know and there's there's conflict obviously and it's a it's a real life issue that apparently people like you know i didn't realize that people got discriminated against uh, like they apparently why wouldn't they sure but also like just having being a a a kid who can hear in an all-deaf family and having to be like their communicator is is really interesting and so like you said it is more of a happy family like coming of age story and those don't typically win oscars right that's just not how it works well no because it's sort of just like sort of like you know some beats that you've maybe seen before feel familiar what was the last like what was the last movie like that that won best picture is has there been no there there are a lot actually i think it's actually gone away but like there was always a trend where it was sort of like the feel-good drama would win where it was like a little cheesy maybe you would say but like forrest gump for example like that kind of stuff or the king's speech or slumdog millionaire like the ones or green book where it's like it's like sort of commercial drama which is like and it's not a knock against them because it works for like 95 percent of people um but like now lately i think they're i mean i don't know like moonlight right one yeah i think there's more of a recent trend to like the more uncomfortable you know, moonlight. Like Bird Birdman was Birdman. one of no no joke here. Birdman was one of I was very excited to see Birdman. It was I thought one of the most disappointing watching experiences I of my entire life. And that's how I knew that I wasn't like a movie savant. Because I was like, this movie stinks, but obviously it doesn't. No, I, I didn't like it either. But did um, you not like it? Wow, that makes me feel actually pretty good that it won. But a lot of people did, and what can you do? But like, yeah, I think now like it's more in the age of like like Nomadland, like I, I don't think most people would like that movie, but it's it's a good movie and it's going to win, you know, one and Moonlight. I think was- Green Green Book counts for what you were saying, but there haven't been a ton of movies like that that have won. No, yeah, because they're, they're getting away from that. That's more of an old school kind of like, like Shape of Water. Spotlight Shape of Water was, was weird. Spotlight uh, was just pretty solid. It was just that. a good movie, right? Like Twelve Years a Slave, uncomfortable. Argo was an Argo was an action movie, right? No, that was like more commercial, I think. But it wasn't like cheesy. It was it was good. Right. It was the good. artist that wasn't a super fun watch. No, that was. Did you watch it? Oh, I'm thinking of the one with uh, Adrian Brody, not that, not no, the no, artist. No. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, the pianist. The pianist. The artist, yeah, the pianist is more of that like cheesy fun drama. That that was actually no. The artist you're saying is that? Yeah, the artist, yeah, yeah, the black yeah. and white movie. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, all right. One last thing before we talk about it. So you're going to give your official Super Bowl pick or what? Oh, Super Bowl. I was so focused on this. Uh, so tell me what the current Bovada odds are because the I'll, line has dropped I'll, a little. I'll, I'll throw it right now. You want a bet? I'll give you a bet and a half. Is it Jesse Bates to win Super Bowl MVP? No. This is I'm still stuck on the Oscars. The Encanto, hugely popular in our house, um, hugely popular across the, the world. Yeah. We don't talk about Bruno's, the famous song. A lot of famous that didn't get nominated for like best original song, though. I was very surprised. Another one got nominated. Lin Manuel. They only submitted one. Right. That's right. I forgot. And they submitted this like Spanish ballad, 
Spanish language ballad. And it's, you know, like the dramatic one. It's certainly going to win best original score, right? That's I what would, you're saying. I would thought, thought so, but it's actually not the favorite right now. The favorite, according to Bovada, is No Time to Die, a Bond song by Billie Eilish, minus 250. Good song. Beyonce's in the category too. But Encanto, super popular. Lin-Manuel Miranda, super popular. He could win the EGOT, I think, with this. Spanish language, it's a nice little cachet, woke moment. Plus 250, I think that's great odds. All right, last thing before we sign off. Uh, The line is four. Rams minus four. Bengals plus four. I would would bet the Rams to win. I don't know. The four is just scary to me, but. I think I'd lay the four. I don't typically like laying points in the Super Bowl, but I I don't know. I think I'd lay the four. But it's just like if you were football fans, too. It's just like if the Bengals win the Super Bowl, it's like. What yeah, who cares? Why are we ever? We're never betting on football again, right? Like that's just the bottom one. All right, that is it for us this week. He is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. You can email the show at zandragellison at gmail.com. Uh, bet that I, bet that best song. Jeez, Louise. I will not promise an emergency podcast, but we will probably record earlier in the next week if James Harden does in fact get traded because that will be quite an interesting thing for the league. But anyway, email the show at zandragellison at gmail.com, and uh, we'll be back next week. As always, Zan, it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.